Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Check the description to get details on how you can contact us and share your thoughts. Remember to follow this podcast so that you get notified when a new episode is released. Feel free to leave a rating and review as well. Live Harmony is available on all of the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Check your preferred podcast platform for availability. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Live Harmony. You can also email us at info at liveharmony.com. And until next time, continue inspiring each other to live in harmony. Hey everyone, I'm Asha Laps. And I'm Kurt Henry. And we are your hosts for Live Harmony. Live Harmony is about stories that inspire. Being, doing, and having more. Impacting our communities. Relationships that transform. Learning, growing, and giving. Live Harmony, living the life we love. And loving the life we live. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Live Harmony. Today, we are featuring Amanda Hamer of Edible Bliss 11. Edible Bliss 11 is a business that has taken entrees and desserts to the next level. The founder, Amanda Hamer, who has been in the culinary industry for 25 plus years, creates her desserts with the intention of pleasing the palate one blissful bite at a time. Since quitting her nine to five job to pursue her passion, Amanda has found her own unique style when it comes to cooking and baking. All her creations are made from scratch using only the best ingredients. Amanda has been featured on many platforms, including the Food Network's Donut Showdown, and her desserts have been devoured by our very own Prime Minister of Canada. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Live Harmony podcast. I am excited to welcome my co-host, Kurt Henry. Hello, everybody. And uh, our guest today, Chef Amanda Hamer. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. So thanks so much for joining us today and agreeing to let us have the, the pleasure of interviewing you. So we're going to jump, jump right into our questions. So who is Amanda Hamer and what do you do? Please tell our audience what you do. Well, hello. I'm so honored to be here tonight. And Amanda, Amanda Hamer is a chef extraordinaire who loves to bake, cook, just recreate dishes and have them to be eye appealing. Yeah. Nice. And how did you first get started in the kitchen? It started at a very young age. I always enjoyed cooking at home. And well, actually, even before I actually can use pots and pans, I would be under my mom's sink and banging on pots and pans and using her cooking oils, pretend I was mimicking her in the kitchen. And then when I was in high school, when I first started high school, they put me into a co-op program at the Sheraton Hotel. And they had me peeling potatoes and just chopping just like the easiest stuff. From there, I just, I had a passion for it and I wanted more. From there, I moved on to different uh, restaurants around the city. And then I just adapted. I took little bits of each restaurant and kind of made it my own thing. Pusateri's is one Italian high-end store, which I adapted to a lot. Like they had over... I think it was like over 500 or maybe more different types of cheeses and meats. And that's where I taught, like I, I learned about Serrano ham and this and pairing different like meats with cheeses and stuff. And I've kind of implemented that into my dishes today, into my menu today. Wow, beautiful. And I know you briefly mentioned your mom there, but can you expand a little bit more on how uh, family and culture and culture have has influenced your cooking? Oh, absolutely. My mom is uh, by Guyanese descent and she would always cook a home meal, a homemade meal. No, we never had, there's no such thing as Chef Boyardee. She never, she always said canned food is gross and she always cooked fresh meals. And, but if, if we were to go out, it would be like Panta Rosa or something like that, something like, or JJ mugs. But Usually she would always cook a West Indian dish, like a pepper pot, dal and rice, 
I didn't appreciate it back then, but I do now <laughs> and realize how healthy it is. And she would always cook like okra and beef. And till this day, I can never get my okra and beef the way she does. Like, you know, okra is kind of slimy and whatever, but I don't know what she did, but she would always make it like crispy and then with the beef and the rice. And so she really set a stone in me, set it really like a good intention in me when I was young to always cook fresh food and that it was healthier too. So even after she passed, some of this stuff that she, that she has taught me, I put into my recipes and also my best friend, she's Asian and I'm Canadian. So she's Guyanese. So all of those cultures, those different elements are in my menu. You're bringing back memories. When I was a yes. kid, like everything was made from scratch. It was yeah. just the way you did things. Yes. She would have even, sorry, I, she would even have that pan. I don't remember what it's called, but it's a big flat pan where you make the roti and she would clap it up in the air and she would toss it up and it would be nice and crispy, but soft on the inside. She, I remember her making all of those things from scratch. So it was such a pleasure. That brings us to our very next question from a chef's perspective. Mm -hmm. What goes into making a great meal? We're talking about the, the meal that sits on your plate. What are the, the key things that you think about about making that meal so good? For me, the key ingredients are using the best, starting off with the best ingredients and seasoning your food. If you can marinate, if you have the time to marinate and just get all those flavors in from the night before, that is the best. And not skipping, like don't skip your, your ingredient list. Try to add everything in there because a foodie can taste everything. You can taste the coconut milk, you can taste the spices, the pepper, and there's different types of peppers too. So the elements... The layers have to be there. That's the key to a great dish. So you said marinate overnight. How long is this like a whole 24 hours? What, what, what I are you looking so. at here? Yeah. I would say so. like if you're, if you're going to marinate some jerk. And, oh, oh, can I back up? The other best thing is to not open a, a jar of jerk, like a Walker's or whatever. Make, I always make my barbecue sauce and my jerk, my jerk marinade from scratch. So that's another key thing too. But yeah, marinating, it, marinating overnight is best. Um, if you could do it longer, is best too. So throwing away those, those, those jars and containers of, of sauces and seasoning and making it yourself. Yeah, use that as a backup if you run out. That's, that's what I do. I use it as a backup. All right. This is like a labor of love. If I'm thinking about somebody that's cooking for their family, it's, that <laughs> sounds like work. It, it is. It really is. And people don't understand that. And sometimes... They don't get why I charge what I charge or they want it for cheaper. They don't understand that I make my sauces. And I also learned that from, not only did I learn that from my mother, I learned that from working at Pusateri's too. Like the sauces is what makes a dish. So what is your favorite dish to make? Ooh, I think my favorite dish would be a plantain lasagna. Look at Ash's face. Yeah, we can all see Ash's face right now. I wish everybody else could see it, but her ears are perked. Tell so, us about this. Now you got to just tell us about the plantain lasagna. So I never heard of this either. <laughs> so instead of um, the carbs of a noodles or whatever, you use sweet plantain. So you would bake your plantain, get it, make sure that it's nice and ripe. You know, the darker the, the outside of the plantain, the sweeter. You would cook that first. You get some onions, some scotch bonnet peppers, green onions, puree that, mix it into your ground beef or ground chicken or your Beyond Meat, whatever you fancy, get a good can of them. I know I said that you shouldn't use can, but I do use tomato paste or tomato paste and tomato sauce because I don't got time to um, do that from scratch. So get a good sauce, put that together, and then just layer it with a good cheese, a good ricotta. Ricotta, every lasagna has to have ricotta, okay? Or <laughs> ricotta and then three types of cheese and voila. Ricotta oh, for lasagna. Yes, ricotta. Yeah. And then you can put uh, some layers of kalaloo in there or spinach if you have that. But yeah. So these guys that are using mozzarella and cheddar cheese and not using ricotta, they're imposters. That's not real. <laughs> no, they That's can the use thing. all three. They can use all three. But like a nice sharp cheddar or a gruyere really brings out, you could taste the difference. It's, it's, I've learned when I worked at Pusateri is the stinkier the cheese, the better. It just has more flavor in it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how did you come up with this 
idea of planting lasagna because now I have to try this. I don't know. I'm gonna have to listen to this recording and try this again. But how did you come up with the idea of making a planting lasagna? I fully, I can't take full credit of it. I did see it online somewhere. And I think the Spanish culture does it, but maybe not, they don't add callaloo or scotch bonnet pepper. So I just took the recipe and I, I twisted it and made my own. But just like a lot of things that I see online, I'll take it and I'll twist it to make my own, like my desserts, which is very popular right now, the Jamaican rum cake cheesecake. So you take a traditional black cake with rum and the raisins, the prunes or whatever. And then you, I pair it together with a New York style cheesecake. And it's just flying off the shelves. Oh, man. Okay. Mm. You're giving me more ideas. Kurt is a big cheesecake guy and he makes cheesecake. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Wow. I'm going to, I guess I could have you all day doing this, but we have to keep going (laughs) to get some other things out here. What is your most requested dish or item? The most requested dish... Hmm, sorry. Uh, I Sounds guess like it, everything, the way you're hesitating. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess right now, because people are trying to get more on the healthier side. So it'll probably be my soul bowl. My soul bowl, it's made with some plantain, a purple potato with, I roast my own garlic with the oil, some black beans with cumin and coriander. And then I put some, like a, a maple glazed carrots, and then I like my, make my own pita chips to go with the dish. So it's called a soul bowl. So that's, that's been popular in the last couple of days, last couple of weeks, I should say. Mm-hmm. That the planting lasagna, the jerk chicken with rice and peas, make my own coleslaw from scratch, the, the sauce. Yeah. I know we're talking about the meal here, but I'm also curious about your kind of developing your culinary art right? Just kind of developing the skill set around pairing, seasoning, foods. How did that come about for you? And, and what did that, how did that evolve for you over time? I remember working at the Sheraton Hotel and just learning the basics of sauces and what goes into sauces. Taking that knowledge and bringing it to the present time really helped me to develop my menu. And yeah, everybody does a jerk chicken and a rice and peas and a and a coleslaw, but what makes mine stand out? You know, instead of just adding just mayo, add an avocado mayo or a vegan mayo, make it like, there's always different elements that you can add that make it, that tastes just a little bit different. You know, it just also came around, came about by all the the places that I worked in, in Toronto, just, and just the feedback from people when I present people with dishes and they, they give me their critiques, whether it's good or bad. And I just, you know, keep implementing, keeps experimenting. I just have a lot of fun with experimenting with food, you know, and then my kids are my guinea pigs. So I just love like some people's pastime is watching Netflix. Mine is watching cooking shows and and taking those, those gems from different places and just pairing things that like that people would never ever do. Like I do like another popular appetizer that I do is a a mango style, a mango spicy uh, salsa, but I pair it with a phyllo cup. So I make it into like, like, you know, Spana Capita, the, the flaky dough. It's like that, but I make it into like a, a muffin cup and then I fill it with the, with the spicy mango. So those are kind of different because no one does that. I haven't seen that. So I try to take different things and fuse it together. So your kids are your guinea pigs. So they got, they're the ones with the strong stomachs. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they always, I guess they're your vote of confidence. So they say they like everything. I assume. Oh yes. Oh yes. And they give me their critiques and you can have more spice or more sugar or more whatever. So. And you do some vegan, I'm, I'm hearing a vegan message and kind of some of the things that you're making as well. What what's the key to making vegetables taste good? I know that there are some, people out there that don't want to give up their meat but there's also a big movement towards a plant-based diet that seems to be a very good way to be healthy so what goes into making that an enjoyable experience I think for me it would have to be the seasoning it would have to be the right type of seasoning and cooking it properly some people don't like the raw vegetables or whatever so if you cook it like if you cook like a mushroom like a steak and again marinating it to infuse those ingredients, it, it will help 
it to not only adapt the taste of meat, it will adapt the texture. Because I think it's a texture thing too for people. But there's also a lot of great products out there that are vegan that taste just like meat. And I don't know, it's like sorcery or something because I taste some vegan stuff and it just tastes just like meat, but it's all, it's made with peas and this and that. So yeah, it's all about, again, it's all about um, using the right type of seasoning to make it taste good. And you talked about, I was on your page earlier and you were talking about, I think the word used was decolonizing your palate, but I was kind of, if I rolled it up a bit and just the idea of one's palate changing or intentionally changing your palate. So for example, when you're a kid or you're into sweets or you're very sensitive to things like Brussels sprouts and broccoli, you don't want it. And now I find myself just eating all these Brussels sprouts and broccoli. Are my taste buds dying or is it changing or, or what's, what's happening here? What, what is this whole concept of changing palate? Can you change your palate intentionally? Absolutely. How does this all work? Giving things a try and understanding that you can't put ketchup all over everything and just appreciating <laughs> the way the food is cooked. <laughs> you know, because you could take Brussels sprouts and just boil it and put some salt and pepper on it. But no, but if you take it, chop it up and you fry it, you put some maybe turkey bacon on it or maybe put some, if you eat pork or whatever, but just adding different layers to it instead of just boiled Brussels sprouts. Like that's just bland, right? So spicing it up, making some sauteed onions or maybe some caramelized onions with some red wine or just using different elements to layer that Brussels sprout or whatever vegetable you are trying to um, spice up, it will taste good. So it's all about layering and spices. Wow, so interesting. Brussels sprouts. I'm hoping one day my palate will change on, on Brussels sprouts because that's something one, that I grew up with and my mom always tried to, you know, get yeah. me to eat and it just was not happening. But I love it. After today, I'm, I'm going to give it a try. Try <laughs> roasting it because that gives a different texture too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm, I love this. I love this. I'm, I'm like, it's funny when you're explaining everything, it's like, I'm like, you're painting a picture. Like it's, it is definitely an art. Cause I'm like, I feel like I'm tasting things or like I'm seeing things, I'm yeah. seeing colors and stuff like that. So this is very exciting. So question for, let's just say you have a, a novice who not is, you know, not at the level of Chef Amanda just yet, but um, maybe briefly, if you can tell us what are some tips for a novice in the kitchen, maybe some basic basic do's and don'ts, uh, maybe some staple seasonings that you should have, um, some staple tools that you should have. Staple tools is always have a good knife. You want to have a proper knife to cut your vegetables, or your meat, and there's different knives for different, different uh, ingredients. So that I would say is number one, have a good cutting board, always have gloves nearby for when you're seasoning meat, always wash your meat. I, there's always been like, even when I went to do my, what you call it, the, my, get my, my food handlers, there was a question on the test that said, should you wash your meat? And the teacher said that you shouldn't. And I look, gave her this look like, okay, I'm still washing my meat. Even, I think she marked me wrong for that. Cause that's, that's how, that's what they're teaching them. And that's whatever. Not right. I, that's not right. <laughs> it's not right. I just, <laughs> You know, they, and even Dr. Oz said that you shouldn't wash your meat because the salmonella will splatter and go wherever else. But if you're not directly washing it in the, in the sink, wash it in a bowl and disinfect, I, that's what I've been doing. That's what my mom taught me. That's, that's just the right way for me. It just feels comfortable. I haven't gotten anybody sick. I haven't gotten gotten sick. So there's that. And what are the tools? Uh, my favorite tool actually in the kitchen is a spatula. Have a good heat proof spatula and always fresh herbs. Herbs are a key. When you use fresh and dried herbs, you can tell this is a big difference in the flavor. Yeah. And just have a good and not necessarily the expensive seasonings are the best just make sure they're not seasoning sometimes lose their flavor when it's out when it's open and not covered properly so that's another key thing too um just having good pots and pans to work with is key too because i've bought i've gotten uh, pots at like tap fong down on spadina and the bottom of it always burns my food so if you invest in a good quality cooking pot it makes your dish that much better 
What else? I think that's all I can think of. What about the um the actual big equipment, the stoves, the ovens? The, does yes. it make a difference? Oh yes, you have to have a Cuisinart. You've got to have a blender. You've got to have a can, a electric can opener. You've got to have yes, proper stove. There's a lot of stuff that I don't have, but because of the space, but having, let's say like um, a Cuisinart to chop vegetables really quick or to slice, that is key. And you mentioned the seasoning. Mm-hmm. How do you keep your seasoning? Because I know in, in some houses, you're going to get that plastic bag roll up with the elastic band and then some people are going to keep them in their jars. Does it make a difference? Jars. Yeah. Jars. Has to be in a jar. That's where you got to do it. I say so. Yeah. Yeah. Keep the freshness of it. And your, your staple, uh, when you talked about fresh seasoning, what are some of your staple fresh seasonings that we should have? I like thyme. Thyme is my favorite. What else do I do? I do thyme. I do basil. I kind of do like, I do chop them up and then I will freeze them because it'll last longer. So thyme, basil, mint, oregano. I love fresh oregano in food. Fresh onions. That's another key. And garlic. Garlic is a staple in all, most of my dishes. Ooh, good. Okay. I think I'm kind of on the right track there. <laughs> There's always fresh onion, fresh garlic. <laughs> and in terms of equipment now, so what type of kitchen do you need to do the work that you do? Honestly, it doesn't have to be, be this big industrial kitchen, but I have my main thing that I have is my, my mixer, my KitchenAid mixer. And I, maybe for some people that's a little too expensive because it is about five, $600. But that is what I put my mashed potatoes in when I'm whipping because it makes a difference in using the paddle. As, uh, sorry, the whipper instead of the paddle. That makes a difference. So I'm making bread using the hook instead of the paddle. There's a difference. People don't realize there's a difference in whipping and, and using the paddle. Um, so that's actually my favorite tool, my fish favorite uh, kitchen equipment to use nice nice so talking a little more now about your uh the dining experience so I know that I've seen online you've posted that you've done some private dinners for some different people so who or what different occasions have you done private dinners for you know it's it's one of those things where I was actually very lucky to be able to pivot my business during the pandemic and at first I was kind of nervous going into people's homes or because of COVID and whatever, but I, you know, took precautions of wore my mask, wore my shield and stuff like that. But it became this, this big thing. And everybody's now contacting me to do it. Cause it's like, some people don't want to go to restaurants for whatever reason, or they just want that in home. They don't want to leave the house. So I provide a three course meal, a salad or hors d'oeuvre, a main meal, and then uh, a dessert. So and if they want, they can pair it with wine or whatever. So I come in, I do the cooking, I do the prepping, the shopping, the cooking. I come to your house, I use your pots and pans. Your, if you'd like, I can bring my fancy plates and my gold forks, or we can use, I can use my clients. But people really love this. And I've done, I don't even know how much I've done. I've done a lot in the past year. And I actually just did one two nights ago. This lady who's actually looking for a permanent chef to do weddings for had me come in and serve. Her husband is Middle Eastern, so I'm not sure if he really liked the Caribbean flair, but she loved it. And so she had me come in and make a three-course meal. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. I love, I, and I actually I just love meeting. It gets me to meet new people. That's another reason why I love what I do. And, and are there particular like occasions that people would bring you in for something like that or, or just cause have you done more occasions? Uh, yeah, it's usually an anniversary. It's um, our birthday party. Some, pe- some men, I have to say the men, cause I've only, that's my experience. Are like, listen, it's my girl's birthday and I have to, um, it's last minute. Can you do this? Da, 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 da. And I, it's like, I understand. And I, and I, I'm a hopeless romantic too. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll surprise your girl. <laughs> so yeah, it's great. <laughs> nice. Nice. And what kind of experience are you aiming to create with the, the private cooking? With the private cooking, I, um, whether they want to engage and to understand what I'm doing, I'm prepping for them. I'll, I'll, kind of host as I'm talking, as I'm cooking, I'll tell them what I'm doing or whatever. Or it's just, you know, some music is playing in the background. They're having wine, a spinach and arugula salad paired with uh, Asiago cheese and 
some cranberries and a whole a house made dressing like again my, my dressings are made from scratch too so I think people appreciate that because they would never taste that anywhere else and each dish dish I bring I explain what it is just like I'm I'm a waiter or waitress at a restaurant and I always have to tell the ladies when you're done just keep sitting down I will I will move the plate for you this is your in-home experience I'm here to cater to you <laughs> oh my gosh we're always trying to help <laughs> always always I, I wash something no this is what you're paying me for <laughs> oh my goodness I think I would I would totally do that uh, so with the again the dinner experience what are the best compliments would you say to a meal so for example atmosphere table setting cutlery wine or your drink what are the best uh, compliments to it? Compliments to it. So the yeah. the outside stuff that kind of adds to the to the experience. I guess it would be. I mean, not only the dish itself, but I use these unique plates. It's not your typical white round plate. I actually got it at a Japanese store, so it's a long. It's just a different different type of. Um, unique plate and I, I give everybody a gold fork or spoon I provide them gold and white napkins just to make it elevated you know not paper napkins no I give you nice cloth napkins I'll bring my own wine glasses if they don't have any yeah and everything is has a little bit of gold dust to it you know the dessert yeah just to make it more elegant right I love what I'm hearing and, and yes. just to go back for a second I just want to make sure I heard properly for some of the fellas out there. You have an emergency romance menu. I mean, I mean. They call you last minute. <laughs> like if anybody I this mean. week, if, if anybody listening and you, you got a birthday <laughs> coming up this week, you got them covered. You know how men are. There's one guy contacted me. He's like, I think it's my anniversary, but I'm not too sure. But are you available? I'm like, uh, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> how much notice are they giving you? This the one guy, two guys called me the day of. And you did it. Yeah, I did it. So the day of? Yeah. So you got to walk me through this. Somebody calls you on the day of, says, I want this romantic meal. So you can't come halfway now because the wife is already upset that. Yeah, exactly. This morning he forgot everything. Exactly. So how are you getting ready the day of to create a meal that actually saves relationship <laughs> I know um well it's just I'm good at what I do you know I just have them I at this point I can't get them to pick and choose they've just got to choose like they can't um customize if they you know what I mean like it's just got to be whatever's on the menu I'll just make it I'll go to the grocery store I'll get it you've got to pay for my my uber or whatever and usually because I've done that, they tip really well because I've saved the day, but it can be done. And I guess it's if I'm feeling nice, if I'm feeling, you know, good that day, then I'll do it. But I prefer more notice, you know. <laughs> I, I would imagine. Do you bring like a musician with you too and everything else? No, I know. No, I don't yet, but that's something I would love to incorporate. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, that's, that's impressive to be able to do it all on the same day. That, that's impressive. I'm just still thinking about that same day preparing a meal, running to the store. I'd be like, you're getting- No, I know. <laughs> like, yeah, you're just sitting there letting that sink in for a second. Like, wow. Yeah. yeah. So when you think about these things that add to the meal, is it just mental that those things affect how your meal tastes? Like when you're in a good environment and you're in the settings, like, is it, does, does that make the food taste better? Absolutely. And as I'm cooking, this is something that I usually don't tell people, but as I'm cooking, I pray over my food. You know, I just setting good intentions and put that out there. I'm going to transition into the more into the business side of things in your craft and just kind of how I know you talked about going from different venues and you were kind of learning your craft and picking up at different places. Kind of take us through how you actually decided to get into this business mm -hmm. for yourself. Well, I was bored one time at, at my job, like at 2018, I was working at DW. It was this nice swanky underground oasis down on Front Street. And I was just doing like tapas stuff. And I was so bored. I could do the menu with my eyes closed. And I think what hit me one time was when I got my paycheck, 
and it was a two-week paycheck and it was like $800. And I was like, mm, this is not working for me. And I made the decision to leave. And I just, I, they were mad that I left, but I was like, this is not working for me. I was actually doing Edible Bliss as a side hustle. And then I said, I don't know what I'm doing, but the universe is going to catch me. So I left. And at, at this point, I felt like I already had built up a clientele. I've had people at that restaurant, like I made like a one-off meal, like a shepherd's pie or something, come back and say, can I hire her for a, a party that I'm doing at my house? I've had people come in. So I'm like, you know what? There's something here. I don't know what it is, but I just, I have to trust that it'd be okay. And it was like, it first I got to, you know, taking every single client that came my way because I needed the money and I was scared because I'm so used to a two, two week paycheck. And, but I said, you know what, this is the right time. Cause my kids are older. They can, they, um, they can get jobs if I needed help, you know, and there's a couple of times where I'm, I'm thinking, no, let me just go back and get another five, nine to five job, but something better that I may enjoy, but I, I stuck it out and the clients kept coming, coming and coming and referrals and, and it just got better and better and bigger and doing a lot of um, uh, events, you know, and now we can't really do that because of COVID, but before we do the black market event and there'd be long lines for my food and just, and then just word of mouth like that's, and I never had a website for the longest time and my name still kept spreading. So that's how I was just like, yeah, I'm on the right path, you know? So, and Yesterday, whenever the 20th was, was my, th my third year anniversary for quitting my job and taking a leap of faith and yeah, being my own boss. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That is awesome. Love it when people kind of make that jump and it all works out. Yes. Yeah. And the other thing is too, like, I, I feel like I'm in the right profession because everybody's got to eat. Everybody loves food right? I'm, no one's, I mean, right? I'm in the right profession. So. Definitely. And my yeah. hand was up when you said that too, for the yeah. audience out there. So you're pretty early in your journey and I'm, it seems like things kind of worked out for you pretty quickly. And I know for some people, it, sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but having mm -hmm. said that anyways, what were some of the challenges that you had along the way in your journey of becoming an entrepreneur? Oh, man, some of the challenges were just getting pricing right, knowing what to charge. A, a lot of the times I was undercharging myself because I'm like, I'm not I don't have a brick and mortar yet. You know, how do I charge this and not including like, let's say I'm, I'm giving a dish and, and I'm buying the lid and I'm buying the container and, and I'm I'm actually going there to, like I'm not in, I wasn't incorporating those those hidden fees, delivery cost and all these things, these were challenging for me because I can cook, but I'm not, I wasn't good at the business side of it. Another challenge was I tried to collaborate with people and their drive wasn't as hard as mine, maybe because they didn't have children. So they didn't have a family to feed, maybe because they just weren't dedicated, maybe because they had a side job and I, this was my full-time thing. So that was a challenge. The other challenges were getting people to pay me and pay me on time. Like, I don't know how you're going to eat my food, excuse my language, shit it out. And then I still don't have my money. That was, that's unfair. It's rude and it's unfair. I don't know. <laughs> so there was that challenge, just understanding portion size and just being fair and letting people know that they've got to pay a deposit. It doesn't matter if you're friends and family, like if it's friends and family and even charging, that was a challenge too you know, not giving discounts to people, to, to friends and family. I had this one lady, and I feel bad for telling you this, but she had this one lady who really wanted a cake from me. And I, there's a certain price that I charge. She said to me, well, I'm on welfare. Can you still hook me up? And I just, I was like, you know, and, and I did it, but I was like, I can't keep doing that because she doesn't know that 10 other people have asked me. So I, I'm just kind of giving, giving away my food and my service and my time. Right. So I, I had to be more disciplined with myself to say, no, nip it in the butt. If people want to support you, they'll pay full price, just like if they went to any other store. There's a lot to unpack there. And I'm going to try and touch on them. <laughs> I'm trying to touch on a couple of them. I probably won't get to all of them. 
So let's, let's start. Let's let's start with the business acumen. And so a lot of people are really good at their craft, but no one really taught them how to turn that craft into a business. So how did you get to the point of understanding the business side of it? Did you get a mentor? Did you just was it just trial and error? Were you just fed up and said, "Look, if I, I got to make money doing this, I'm I'm gonna this is what it is," and you just kind of stuck it out there. What was it for you? You know, for me, it was, I, I, I'm always into self-development and bettering myself. I took courses. I don't know if you guys know Noel Waldron. He had a course, a 60-day powerful mentor course. I took that. And it just, just to understand the psychological part of what I'm trying to do in life and how to, um, you know, they say January, February, March are the slowest months. They're only slow if you're not pumping out the information. If you're not pumping out, I'm still advertising, I'm still open, then you're never going to get clients. You've got to pick up the phone and say, hey, I have a deal going on and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you got to put yourself out there. You've got to advertise. So there's a lot of that. And keep, keep relevant on social media or wherever you are, are advertising. You can't just advertise one week and then come off the other week. You have to keep be consistent. And that I that I have. Because I also I'm a social butterfly too. So that helps with my personality. And then you mentioned the drive, working with other people. What were some of the dynamics there and how did that end up with the people that you tried to partner with? Are you now just doing it solo with the team helping you by yourself? Where did you kind of end up with this whole collaboration and working with other people? Well the collaboration was this Eritrean girl who would have brought an Eritrean fuse with a West Indian and the concept was great. It's like if I turned my back and said, hey, can you finish this cake? She would finish it decoratively and beautifully just like I would. That's how much trust I had in her when it came to making a dish or a cake or whatever. But <laughs> when it came to getting up or get, go, going, getting to meetings and and doing the other part of it, I, she was like nowhere to be found. And there was a lot of ex excuses. And so I just, without saying anything, I just, you know, went and did things on my own. So right now I'm solo, but I'll get my kids to help whenever I feel really overwhelmed. And this Christmas season, I'm going to have to hire somebody to just to do the back end of stuff, like the, the printing for the labels and the, just the admin stuff, calling people uh, emails. Cause right now it's like a lot, but it's something I need to, I don't know if this is a woman thing, like I need to let go and trust that whoever's coming my way to help me will be able to handle it and do it like I will do it. Because women have this thing where, oh, you're not doing it right, let me just do it. But I'll be burnt out, right? So I have to let go, let God and trust that whoever's coming my way is going to be the right fit for me. You're doing this solo. So my biggest question is how many people can you feed? What's your, what's your, what would you say your max in terms of feeding people for what you do now? I say 150. Really? That's a lot. I've done it before. <laughs> um, my friend, Emily Mills had a, she, before COVID hit, uh, we did, she did a How She Hustles event and those 150 women, mind you, this was all hors d'oeuvres, but there are at least 10 different types of hors d'oeuvres. And that was 150 people that I served. Good for you. It's become you. so easy for me. Like just, you know, 150 people, trays of chicken, three trays of rice. And the key is because, and I'm not knocking black people, but when we go to barbecues and we go to events, we pile on our plate. But if you have someone there delegating and portion control the food, it will serve the amount of people comfortably. It's the true though. Black people, we just pile on our food and then we take another container and hide it in the back for later like isn't isn't that a, but isn't that a compliment to the chef it is but we got to think about other people that's behind us that may have not gotten food <laughs> you know there are some people there are some events that i go to and i'm gonna say sometimes i'm somewhat guilty i'm not stacking up my plate but you kind of figure out the door that they're coming out from the servers are coming from <laughs> And you kind of wait for the meal because the food is just so good coming out and you don't yeah. want to miss anything. It's true. It's true. I've, I've done that a couple of times. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so how did you get over the pay me hurdle? The pay me? Yeah. So you said at times people were taking the service and you still had to chase them for the money right. after they've, you know, done enjoyed the meal and gone on with their life. And how did you get over that hurdle? On my website, it stated that you have to pay a deposit 
and the balance is due on the day of the pickup. Also, I just don't release the food until I get my payment. Until I see that e-transfer come through or the payment come through, I'm not releasing the food. But people that I, I like are regulars or whatever, I know that they will pay me. It's, it's fine. But um, I had this one incident. And it's so funny that we're, we're talking about this. I did $500 worth of cookies. It was like, like a lot of cookies. And I decorated each one by hand. And he had paid the deposit, but when I got there to drop it off, he was in a meeting or doing whatever. And I waited for about half an hour. And then I was told uh, I have to, I, he'll contact me later. I waited five days to get my, my $300. And mind you, I, I didn't even know this man. He had contacted, someone gave him my number and he had contacted me. And for the, for the five days, I was like, am I going to get my money? Like I was, I was texting him, calling him, no response. And then he me he's like oh I'm sorry I was really sick and blah 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 I was really busy and I'm like that's not my problem like would you go to a store and take a product and say I'll pay you later like you don't you don't do that with other people why would you do that with a small business needless to say I would never ever serve him again and he's lost that we've lost that connection because I just I don't trust you anymore yeah either that or you're gonna have to pay everything all up front yeah exactly so you shared a lot of lessons. I'm just going to leave it open. Anything else you learned along your journey that you think you want to share to say, you know, this is some of the key things I learned along the way to be successful either in my craft or in this business? The, the key thing is have faith. A, a lot of people get into this and they feel like it's really overwhelming. It's hard, but you got to pace yourself. Don't take on more than you can handle. Write everything down. Keep your receipts to pay, to write off everything. Um, that's another thing I had to learn to do by myself and, and understand what it's like to do um, taxes, your business taxes. Cause I was just used to getting a T4 and then handing it to the, you know, the H&R person, but now it's like totally different and understanding the different things that I can write off and put yourself out there. People are not going to know about you unless you put yourself out there. What else? have goals, write them down, take, takes, I, I, I'm not a big believer in go big or go home. I'm, I'm a believer in taking your time step-by-step step, achieving those small goals. And in, and eventually you, you'll reach bigger goals. Like three years ago, no one would ever want to interview me because I've worked at different restaurants. People want to interview me because now I'm an entrepreneur. I have something to say. I've, I've done it. I've been in the trenches. I've come up. I've fed the prime minister. I've been on TV. I've, I've done radio talk. Like I've done so much, you know, so those, and those come from taking little steps and working to bigger goals. From the beginning, from when we started, you seem to have a sense of self-awareness, self-confidence in what you do. Not arrogance, but confidence. Just I'm good at my craft. I enjoy doing it. People enjoy it. Did you always have that confidence in what you do or how did you, how did that develop over time? You know, when they say how cover girl says you're born with it, it's like, this is my craft. I know, I knew from a young age, like when I went to camp and I'm doing artwork or I'm, I'm baking cookies and I'm decorating, there's always show like people over my shoulders watching what I was doing. I, so I knew from a young age that I'm very creative and artistic. So taking that and putting it into food and just seeing the, re the reaction when people taste my food. And there was something actually I was going to say when, I, when I'm doing private dinners and I'm in the kitchen and I'm hearing people eat the food. I hear a lot of, mm, yum. Oh my God. Yes. What? And, and the potatoes, I hear it. That for me is like, like points, ding, 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 ding. Like, yes, I'm doing something right. And then also when I'm just, when I'm hearing pure silence, people are enjoying their food. Nice. Love it. So I had the, uh, the pleasure just to talk a little bit more about personal development. Um, I got to know you a little bit better because I did some book clubs last year during yes. the pandemic and you jumped on for two, I think you, you did two rounds with us. So just wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, as you talked about, you know, being good at your craft, but also just the business side, the, the non-tangible, the, the faith side. Can you talk to me about, obviously, like, you know, these aren't the only two books you've, you've ever, you've ever read, but the importance of personal development. And even if you noticed a correlation with the personal development 
in the sense of just kind of maybe a level of knowing your worth and kind of even that that deserve level of like being able to set boundaries and say actually no this is how much it costs like did you notice a correlation between your growth and your confidence in being able to charge and kind of say and being able to to, to just say no and knowing what you deserve yes it t- did take a while to be honest because i'm just i'm a very kind-hearted person but with the self-development I I read I read a lot of books and the one that I'm reading now is called uh, manifest manifesto manifestation manifestation and it just it just kind of redirects your your thoughts into you know what no you can do this I I just I've had people around me say no you need to charge this because you've leveled up you've made a name for yourself people are talking about you and i've even had conversations with people saying oh well we we're just talking about you so when your name is mentioned in rooms that you're not in that's how you know that you're 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 leveling up my cousin would say you need to charge this because i'm not going to swear but she's like you're amanda hamer mother you need to charge people need to know that you're serious about your craft and you need to set those those boundaries for people and the right clientele will come. And as soon as I changed my prices, as soon as I upgraded my website, I weeded out those people. They're like, oh, can I get a discount? Oh, can I get this? And I'm, I'm, I, and I manifest and I pray a lot too. I started getting the right client clientele, you know, like I, I, I'm severely undercharging myself with the private dinner. I only charge $85 per person. And I looked online, people are charging $350, $56 for a couple. But that's with a four-course four meal and stuff like that. I'm not charging that much um, yet. It was hard for me to do that. And I, and I didn't know why. I just, like, I was like, who am I? <laughs> but I, I've, I have to learn that I'm worth it. I'm worth it. I, I put in a lot of hours. I give great presentation. The food always tastes good. Like I'm worth it. And and you just said something key there. Um, how has it been important to have good people around you encouraging you? Oh, it has everything to do with it. Like when I'm having a bad day and I need like a, a little kick in the ass, just like, no, you, it's okay. You set your, set your prices, do this, do that. Take it slow, take it day by day, write things down. And don't worry, the, the, the right clientele, because I've had many of those where I'm like, I don't understand this lady, blah, blah, blah. Like I, I had this one lady who she um, ordered a platter from me, uh, a really beautiful platter, a uh, charcuterie board. I had it ready at 11 a.m. So she was coming, coming to pick it up at 11 a.m. And she didn't come till four in the afternoon to pick it up. And then she had the nerve to email me and tell me that her, the food wasn't fresh. It was this. And I was like, no, 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 you're not going to do that to me. You said you wanted it ready at 11. It was ready for, uh, for 11. I told you I had other clients waiting for me. So not only did you make me late for my next client, but everything I got for you on that platter was fresh because I bought it fresh that morning. And that's what I do. Like I know charcuterie boards mixed with the meat. If you leave it too long, or if it's not refrigerated right away, it'll get soggy or whatever. So I've had clients like that, but I had to say, no, 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 she's not going to, that's not going to get me down. That's not going to say, I'm not going to say, you know, I did horribly on this one and I'm never going to do it again. And I even had that person, that problem with um, this lady who wanted a cake. And sometimes the outside source of like the printing, the edible print, I had no control of that because the company's ink was low or whatever, but I made this amazing cake for her and she didn't like it. It's, you know, it's, it happens sometimes, but she wanted a discount and blah, blah, blah. And I had to say, you know what? It was actually giving me anxiety. And I had to say, you know what? No, no, no. I did my best on this cake. I put a lot of time in this cake. I'm sorry that you don't like it, but this is like, she'll always complain and nitpick about certain things. So I have to, I had to just weed her out. So I'll get clients like that, but I just want, and I always just pray and manifest to get me the right type of clients that won't question my website, that won't question my prices. And yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Sounds like you're, you're on your way there. And I, I think it was Kurt who's told me before, sometimes you have to fire people. (laughs) 
not them firing you. You have to fire some clients. Yes. Yes. Sure. Um, and sure. yeah, you you deserve to have uh, to have good people who value what you do. Absolutely. Love it. So, what's next for Miss Amanda? As you know, on I do have my products in Scarborough Town Center at the Black Owned Toronto yes. store, and I haven't announced it yet, but she has opened up a new store in Eden Center, so I'll be launching myself there on October 30th. You guys heard it first here. You heard that first right here. <laughs> yep, October 30th, go down to the Eden Center, a Black Owned store, and I'll be selling my cheesecake, rum cake, Jamaican rum cake cheesecake, and I'll, I'm going to be experimenting with a sorrel cheesecake as well i don't think i've ever seen that so that'd be new find me up (laughs) (laughs) nice nice and so where can we find you you can find me on facebook or but i mostly post on ig at edible bliss 11 yeah and then you can my website is www.ediblebliss11.com and i'm on tiktok but i mean i don't have a lot of followers there but i'm trying to you know get that those numbers up Nice, nice, nice. Kurt, any any last questions from you there? For me, I just wanted to say thank you, Amanda, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. You have me hungry. You have me wanting to cook. (laughs) You have me, I'm just, you have me thinking about different meals I can make with the ideas that you put out there today. You have me wanting to hold parties of about 150 people. Yes. I just really enjoyed, you know, Food is one of those things that gets me excited and you made it even more exciting. And so I want to thank you for for joining us today. And that's all I wanted to share. Thank you for having me. And I'm honestly so glad that I, this is my passion. There's some people that are 42 or in the fifties or whatever, haven't found their passion. This is my passion that I'll do to the day that I die. I love it. So nice. Nice. Oh, question. Do you, do you do cooking lessons? I need to get back on that um, from now until December is going to be kind of bananas. Yeah, but for I the holidays. Have to get into like if someone wants to have like a date night with their their spouse, whatever, you know, one on one type of thing, an atmosphere. So I have to find a spot or if we want to do it over Zoom. But I definitely want to get into that. And yes, I have done it previously with kids. And that okay. was fun too. And today you you said the magic words. Uh, not once, but twice, but plantain. So that is my, my favorite, my favorite thing in the world. (laughs) So uh, again, thank you for myself as well for being with us today. And I'm just going to uh, slide here into our very last question that we ask everyone. So what are the first thoughts or words that come to you when you hear the word harmony? Oh, harmony, tranquility. Yeah. Nice. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So thanks again. And thank you everyone for listening and have a great night. Thanks for having me.